Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. What's up? I'm Dick Machinko. Oh, newsflash, breaking news, this just in. I'm Brian Bumpus. Hi Brian Bumpus, how you doing? Hello, I'm doing pretty good, thank you. How are you, Dick? Yeah, not bad. I think this is our last go around on the podcast. Oh yeah, it might well be. Let me let me check the check the the schedule. You have um, access to the... They didn't let me have access to the oh, schedule. Oh, well, I think they needed to give it to one of us just so that the channel would sort of keep running. Um, right. Well, I feel... makes me feel kind of small, to be honest. But, but yeah, you're absolutely right. This is our final podcast oh, before we're man. re-replaced by those those schmucks. Re-replaced. Yeah, those stu- stupid schmucks. Is that an okay word? I don't Peter. really understand I think the schmuck is like, yeah, you schmuck, you, you schmuck. silly billy. Mm. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we will be, our chaos will continue to reign through until I believe Friday next week. Mm. Uh, that includes the live streams that we'll be doing, of course. And then it will be, we'll be off. We'll be disappearing. And I just want to say, it's been, um, it's been horrible. Screw you all. F I've you. hated it. Yeah. I've hated every minute, you big losers. This is our video game podcast. Uh, we are sponsored each and every week by a real video game sponsor. Brian, do you have it? Uh, sure, I sure do. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, but at time of recording, well, I'm sure you do know this, there's a state of play going going out today. Not a state of play. There's a... a, a yeah, Hang uh, on, no. What am I? Oh, hello. What am I talking there is, about? There is a state of play tonight. The, at the there time is a state of play tonight going at time recording. That is true, but that's nothing to do with the. I was on the wrong page. On wrong page of my notes there. Oh, okay. Don't you know state of play going out tonight? Anyway, nothing to do with the sponsor. Um, I don't know if you know, but there's a brand new Nintendo Switch coming out. Um, oh, it's, lead. It's very exciting. Um, it's it's uh, technologically advanced, and of course, they thought how better to sell it than by doing a tie-in uh, with that snowman character off of Frozen, because people love Frozen, don't they? Oh no! Did I nearly just? Did I nearly do it? Oh well, it's okay. You didn't do okay. it. It's fine. Right. <laughs> Coming soon, everybody. Uh, the Disney Nintendo tie-in brand Nintendo Switch. Uh, the Nintendo Switch Olaf. Oh, excellent. Here there it, it is. 
I thought you were going to say the abominable Nintendo man. Nintendo man. (laughs) No, not at all. Um, That's great. Does it come in a variety of colours? And will it somewhat let people down who are expecting a far more powerful Nintendo Switch? uh, It comes only in white. And instead of letting people down, it will simply let it snow. Oh, lovely. That sounds great. How much? One hundred and another hundred pounds. Two hundred pounds. Flipping egg, a hundred and then another hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's cheaper than the regular switch. That's good because yeah. it melts, I assume. Yeah, it's useless. So. You just have carrot and coal left over and some twigs and music and, and music. the memories, the friends mm. we made along the way. Sounds great. Um, looking forward to buying it. Yeah, me too. Can't wait. It's gonna be great. Uh, it's not real, of course, but what? I'm still looking what? forward to it. You bugger! What you uh, like? Don't know, little rascal. <laughs> Not gonna, not gonna miss this, this nonsense. That's for sure. People lying to me. Uh, No, of course we are sponsored by our wonderful patrons over at Patreon. I forgot what what Patreon was then. Mm. Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump, where for as little as one dollar per month, you can submit questions to this podcast. We have all sorts of tiers available, all sorts of rewards, worst games ever, early that kind of stuff. Discord, Patreon call. All kinds of things. So go check it out. Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. Now, before we talk about something else, Mm -hmm. where are we walking today? Uh, Perhaps through a beautiful uh, walking in a winter wonderland. Oh, yeah. That's season appropriate, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, Let's do it. I could do with some snow right now. But Mm -hmm. I say that. And then when I get snow, I'll say, God, I could do with some sun right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always the way. The cycle never ends. Yeah. uh, I mean, oh, wonderful. Wow, what a what a beautiful landscape we're in. Uh, Brian, let's talk about triplejump.gg. Oh, let's. Hello, everyone. As well as our extremely real and totally not fictitious in any way sponsor, we're officially partnered with PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo to sell their codes through our own website, triplejump.gg. Here, you can get everything from topping up your digital wallets to PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live Gold, Xbox Game Pass, and Nintendo Switch Online subscriptions, as well as Minecraft mine coins. <laughs> mine coins? They'll be your coins any minute. <laughs> nice one, please. Yeah, thanks very much. It's 100% legitimate, directly supports us, and provides you with the delightful digital currencies you're going to buy anyway. Visit triplejump.gg to browse our full stock. Triplejump.gg. This is a real sponsor. Wonderful. There you go. Well, it's time for question one now. Mm. Um, It's from Stephen Skodes. He says, Hello, Brian and Dick. One of the questions last week about games you convinced yourself were bad... Uh, or was was about uh, games you convinced yourself were bad, but then you ended up enjoying them. It got me thinking about who or what influences you on what games to purchase. I tend to wait for reviews or watch gameplay videos to make a decision, and even watch videos from channels such as Triple Jump and Eurogamer. Um, my question is: Are there any reviewers, YouTube channels, etc., that influence your decisions on which games to play, or do you go with your gut feeling about them? Thanks for the entertainment while Ben and Peter are away. Stephen Skotas. Thank you, Thank Stephen. You, Stephen. Um, you know, I don't tend to to really um, get my my gaming opinions and impressions from other channels nowadays. I think there was once a time that that I did, but generally now I will 
either just speak to people I know, like just friends and stuff. Like, oh, have you played this yet? What do you think? Or possibly if I'm curious as to the reception of a game. Like, for example, when... Uh, I suppose Returnal is a good example. When Returnal came out, I thought, this is one that I, you know, I really can't just look at footage and decide whether it's going to be good or not. It's, it's a bit outside the box. It's slightly unusual. You know, how's that been received? And typically then, I will, I'll simply just go to Metacritic, you know, and I'll see what the overall consensus is. Metacritic is, Metacritic is generally... I think, reliable. I know some individual video game outlets are not in that they rate things either 100% or zero or, you know, weird things in between. Um, But broadly speaking, I think you can trust the overall aggregate score on Metacritic for a game. And if I really did want to go to a certain outlet and actually just read up a review and find out a bit more about the game, probably... I mean, IGN are fairly... You know, they, they, they don't just... They don't try and put really silly out there opinions on there just for clicks and reactions, I don't think, whereas some other outlets do. Um, and Push Square as, as well are pretty reliable. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I've kind of stopped watching um, gaming YouTube channels in the past few years, really, since we started doing it ourselves. You know, there was a time that I would watch plenty of stuff like that, um, either kind of serious review-based uh, stuff, you know, actual journalistic coverage, or... Uh, I just watch people playing the new game and think, oh yeah, that's good. So I used to watch like um, Achievement Hunter and stuff when I had a, a 360. Um, and obviously we, we used to watch Yogg's cast things. Uh, they tend to play more PC stuff, but uh, yeah, not so much anymore. I, I just I just look at them scores and that's it really. And ask my mm. friends. Um, yeah. Do you still watch watch stuff as well on YouTube? Not especially, no. I, I can't really say that I ever did. Mm. Um, but for for my sins, I do tend to put a lot of faith in Metacritic. Yeah. Uh, especially for games that I'm on the fence about. I would say that 80 as a Metacritic score is about my cutoff, which right. does mean that I miss out on a lot of great games that I'd probably really enjoy. But I only have so much time and so mm. much money so I, I just have to it's like it's a calculated risk like i know that i'm potentially missing out on a load of on a load of stuff but if it doesn't meet that threshold for me i mean and what's what's the truly the scientific difference between a game that scores 79 and a game that scores yeah. 80 like what 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 does that mean but mm-hmm. as a general rule of thumb i i try to stick to that range cuz i don't like there's so many games <laughs> so many games mm. and i do have to limit it somehow and that is sort of my general measuring stick uh, but on the whole, I'm very w- aware of what I like and what I don't like. And I can usually gauge that from the materials that are available about a game before they come out. Um, so while a game can always like surprise or disappoint, even if I think, yo, this ticks all the boxes, I'm interested in this, I, I do tend to pay quite close attention to pre-release marketing yeah. and chatter and previews to see if there's anything about it that turns me on or turns me off about a game um and of course there are always times that i will just take a punt if it's a subject or or a, or a genre that really interests me yeah. like the guardians of the galaxy game which gameplay wise didn't look overly remarkable but i'm such a fan of the guardians of the galaxy 
um, movies that I just I want to play that game and I yeah. and I will play it even if it doesn't score very well. Like I'm just interested and I'd like to give it a go. Um, I've also got mates in the biz and they often have games early and so usually i i will shoot them a message and just say how's how you finding that you got it yet? how is it how is it um which is always helpful and i and i listen to a lot of podcasts as well and one recommendation i would give is one called the besties which is comprised of um russ frustick and oh goodness what's his name um Tom Plant, Thomas Plant from Polygon, mm-hmm. and Justin and Griffin McElroy, also formerly of Polygon, better known, I would say, for My Brother, My Brother and Me, yeah. and Monster Factory, and those guys do a podcast, and it's basically a uh, like a book club, but for video games. So each mm-hmm. week they've all tried to play the same game, whether that's a... It's usually a contemporary game, but sometimes they'll do episodes where they have like a tournament who which is the best Zelda game and they'll go through all of them and stuff and it's it's funny and it's entertaining and they often have while they do play you know Resi 8 they will play the latest indie game that's come to Switch that I have never heard of and it it's a great way for me to educate myself albeit in passing about stuff that I don't really know about even if I'm not really going to play it it's 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 another avenue for me to sort of get information and Help me decide what I'm going to play and what I'm going to buy. So yeah. that's that's it, really. A, a broad spectrum of things. But yeah, generally, especially for bigger games, I'll turn to Metacritic and just look and see. Mm-hmm. Is that is it? Does it meet my requirements for yeah. me to spend money on it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the best way to go sometimes, especially if you yeah. don't have the time. Uh, fantastic. Well, it's time to uh, move on to a new section. Is it? It's yeah. Already okay. For what's it called? It's called uh, what we're playing. Mm. It's what we play in time, Brian. What have you been playing? Can't can't really put that halo down. Really, really Can trying to just get away. It's just stuck on that head of yours. Get away for it for a moment, so I can go back to playing Ratchet and Clank, which I sort of endeavoured to finish, so that I could move on to the the most recent one, but. It's just very difficult to do. It's such a good game that I mean, I've uh, we just finished um, the campaign as well on stream this week, so you can check that vod out on the vods channel if you like. Um, nice. And uh, that game is just—I mean, it was lightning in a bottle, really. Um, I just think there's so much about that game, both single player and multiplayer. Everything, everything that they did, they did very, very well. I think there's one level in that game that I don't like, but mostly because it's difficult and horrible and, like, gross, because there's, like, horrible critters crawling around, flood flood monsters, and you have to, mm. like, walk through doors, but they're not doors because you're in a biological being and they're sphincters, and that's really pretty <laughs> grim. Um, Lovely. But uh, apart from that, the game is near enough flawless, so... Running through campaign again, as I've said over the past few weeks, really, has been an absolute treat. But uh, getting back into the multiplayer really has just... It's teleported me back to whenever it was. I don't know, the late noughties, something like that. Um, early early teens. Um, and, uh, I mean, I don't really have anything to add to the, the gushing that I've done about this game and its <laughs> multiplayer over, like, the past fortnight. But... Uh, 
yeah, all I can say is I, I've not really had time for anything else because whenever I've said, yeah, I could play games for a little bit, uh, I've I've ended up just playing that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's an absolute treat. And it I guess it's just testament to the fact that it works so well today that I still can't really get enough of it. Um, but I really, I feel like I might even have to just uninstall it so that I carry on with uh, with other games that I actually really need to work my way through because there's probably no other way to get me to stop um it's like when you've got exams on and you have to like uninstall a game because you're like no i'm gonna lock my playstation in a cupboard um Mm -hmm. that's what i'm gonna have to do with halo i'm gonna have to remove it so that i can no actually your video game chores exactly yeah yeah um i might even at this point have to well yeah no yeah i think i'll that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll uninstall the game and hopefully tell you about Ratchet and Clank next week. Um, nice. Yeah. So there we go. That's all I've played nonstop. What have you been playing? I finished off Mass Effect 2 mm-hmm. and I got the platinum in it and it was a wonderful time and I enjoyed it very, very, very much. And one of the trophies was for keeping all of the squad mates alive yeah. um, throughout the game. And I did do that. And while I did that in the original release on PS3 for just to get the trophy, it wasn't. It was sort of like a, a save that I was just breezing through and ju- literally following a guy just to keep them all alive. Mm. So my main save from when I played through it properly was the one that I continued into Mass Effect 3 originally. And people did die in that one. And so now, importing the save data where I've saved everyone into Mass Effect 3, which I did just immediately start after finishing Mass Effect 2 because I just wanted to play more Mass Effect. Right. Um, I thought, I'll play I'll play a palate cleanser game. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll try something out, a little bit smaller, maybe an indie game. And then I was like, no, actually, I, I, need to, I need to keep playing Mass Effect. I'm enjoying it too much. And, and so importing that save data in there, I am getting so much more out of Mass Effect 3 than I ever got when I played it through originally, not only because everyone's alive and they all pop up at various points to say hello, hmm. but also because in recent memory, I can, I've can, i played Mass Effect 1 as well. And yeah. so I'm seeing characters show up from that and references to events from that that I actually understand this time. And honestly, if Mass Effect 3 didn't crap the bed with its ending in hmm. the way that it did... I think it would be considered a lot uh, in in what am I trying to say it would be much better appreciated than it is because Mass Effect 3 is great if Mass Effect 2 makes you feel like a space pirate Mass Effect 3 really drives home the whole sort of feeling of the the galaxy is at war like right. that you on the world map you are going between different locations with your little ship that you're moving around and if you make too much of a, a scene when you're scanning for stuff, the Reapers, like Reaper ships will appear on the world map and chase you. And if they catch you, it's game over and you have to leave the system before they catch you. Wow. There's all sorts of stuff in there that really drives home this sort of foreboding atmosphere. And I am absolutely loving it. The combat's way better as well. You can finally sprint without stopping for breath because you're tired, which is something that's so weird about Mass Effect 1 and 2. Um, So yeah, absolutely loving Mass Effect 3, doing everything I can. Played a couple of the DLCs that I never played when it initially launched. Oh yeah. 
Um, and they're they're brilliant. They're so good. So yeah, my tune may change when I get to the ending, but currently really enjoying Mass Effect Three, and that's it. I, I did, as I said, I wanted to play something else in between, but I just I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. I'm too engaged. Well, that's one of the games I want to move on to as well. Is you know I'm not just trying to work my way towards Rift Apart, but after that, you know, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. When it, yeah. the moment I heard that that game was coming out, I thought finally now I've got an opportunity to to play those games because um, they mm. sort of passed me by when I was when I had a 360. I wasn't really wasn't really aware of them, uh, which is a shame. Um, but uh, yeah, now now's the time. Now's the time to go. Well, you're welcome to borrow them once I've finished. Oh well, that's very although kind. I may never see you again because yeah. you know yeah. this could be it. But anyway, there we are. That's what I've been playing. Let's move on to question two. Let's. From Jason, Jason, who says, Good evening, gentlemen. While I love being an uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, I do find myself getting overwhelmed by the sheer volume of games I have access to. Add this to my fairly large collection of physical games that I bought before I had a decent internet access. Rural Canadian internet coverage is spotty. Mm. And I sometimes have troubles picking which game to play to the point where I end up not playing anything because I wasted too much time trying to find something to play. So my question is, with services like Game Game Pass and PlayStation Now, do you think that video game players are more likely to bounce from game to game rather than play one then move on? I myself am in the former camp. Thanks always for providing content for us. Your pal, Jason. Jason, thank you, pal. Um, Thanks, pal. For getting in touch. I mean, I'd have said to an extent that, like, you'd think this would partly come down to just sort of personality and what you want out of gaming, that if you're just that way inclined, that maybe you will just flip from one game to another to another. But I kind of, like, reading into Jason's question, it sort of implies that he maybe feels like that's not normally what he would do you know but since getting game pass he's found himself doing it so there's got to be more to it than it just being a a kind of a personality trait perhaps um but uh you know there is definitely that that sense where you can be you you might feel like you know what kind of game you want but you're just not quite finding it i do the same when I'm scrolling through Netflix, like I've got mm-hmm. a watch list on Netflix with about 20 or 30 things on there that I've seen and I've thought, yeah, that looks really good. I'll give that a go or people have recommended to me. And if I settle in for the evening and I think I'm just going to watch something rather than play a game, I can scroll through my watch list on Netflix, go through every single one of the things, not click on any of them. And then I'll find myself back at the start and I'll be like, hmm, yeah, I don't know. Like... <laughs> Like all of those look good, but I just don't know which one I want, and I, I, it, it's almost like there's a kind of perfect thing in your head that, that you're aiming for, but you can't say exactly what it is. And I suppose the same has got to be true of uh, something like Game Pass. Um, I think I actually I had the same thing when I tried PlayStation Now a few years ago. I, I gave that a go, and um, I remember scrolling through, thinking, "Oh, there's quite a lot on here, you know." But what do I want? I think eventually. I settled down and played some Bioshock, but um, it's just that thing of being spoiled for choice, isn't it, really? Um, mm. And, uh, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe people are more likely to bounce from one game to another. I, I still think, ultimately, it's going to come down to um, d- just, just what kind of a person you are and what you're really... Um, 
what you're wanting out of Game Pass and PlayStation now. Like if you if you want to find a game that you can really get into, and if you've got that kind of personality where once you start something, you want to finish it, then generally speaking, you probably will just kind of, you know, play it to the end if you're enjoying it. Um, but if you are more of a person who's just wanting to see what's out there, try a few things, then sure, you're going to flit around. There might be some exceptions. And as I say, I think the context of Jason's question kind of is, is saying like, oh, it's not like me, but this is how I've, I've found myself behaving on uh on on services like this then yeah maybe that's going to happen to a few people but broadly speaking i think ultimately it just comes down to who you are and and what you're looking for Mm. from these things yeah i i'm in complete agreement about the netflix stuff it is there's what like a thousand years worth of content on there Mm. and you were same with youtube and you can just scroll and scroll and scroll and not find anything that you yeah you want to watch and then you've spent an evening scrolling through stuff uh, I cannot speak for Xbox Game Pass. I will say that Game Pass, like the, it's very charitable of Jason to include PlayStation now. I know, in the same yeah. Sentences Game Pass because they are not on the same level at all. Hmm. Um, but certainly, I can definitely relate with games I've gotten for free through PlayStation Plus. Yeah, uh, because they are. I suppose games that I've gotten for free, whether they be through uh, like friends or family or PlayStation Plus or even work sometimes, Hmm. there's something, and you may be right, it might just be something about me personally, but games I get for free, quote unquote, you know, even if it's part of a subscription service, they get far less of a fair shake than if I'd paid full price for them, I tend to find. Yeah. I don't know if it's my mind equates them as just sort of disposable or what, but I'm far more likely to start up a game that I have not directly paid full price for. And if it doesn't impress me or grab me almost immediately, there's a unless it's like super critically acclaimed, then there's a good chance that I will just bounce off it and not really play much more of it um so the, well i don't I, even it's a, mm. sorry to me, i was just gonna say uh i don't even um add everything that's available on playstation plus like as a as a monthly really? game you should do I, that i just don't though because i just know there's some games that i'm not i just know i'm never ever 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 gonna want to play them but so you why never would... know but i i just i do know though sometimes you know don't you you just but know wwe it... 2k battlegrounds brian exactly that's a perfect example of something that i know i'm never ever going to be interested in playing um so i just don't add it and cuz you might say well why wouldn't you just add it and and fine never play it again but it just means my library is a bit clearer you know it, there's not like as much to scroll through if i'd added every single game that had been available on plus um there'd be a load of crap in there that I just don't even want to see and scroll past. So I just don't. And that might seem like a really entitled, ungrateful thing to do because <laughs> these free things are being offered to me. And I'm like, mm, no thanks. But uh, I'm sure I'm not the only person who does that. I only add the stuff Probably that not. I think I'm going to... Certainly, uh, you know, I, I consider the fact that, all right, I might not want to play it now, but maybe one day I will. So there's definitely things I've added where, yeah, you know, I, I'm not interested at the moment. Um but the, there are some things where I just know I'm never going to play that. It's just not for me. So why would I add it to my library? Um, sorry, well, continue. I just uh, well, I was going to say that's it's a now. it's a great point, and I understand and I understand the the desire, I suppose, to keep your library clean. But for people like me who've had a PlayStation account since 2000. 
2005 or 2006, you know, when they first let you create it, the amount of nonsense I've got in my library is absurd. Well, that's what and I'm trying so, to avoid, I guess. Well, you never know, like, when you're going to need those games, especially in, like, and I'm, this isn't a criticism of you, Brian, and I don't want you to take it this way, but, like, if Ben died mm. and you needed to cover a wrestling game for Approve It, and you could have had Battlegrounds for free, and now you don't have it anymore. You ne- that's that's the mentality that I go into it with. Not what if Peter died and I needed access to 2K Battlegrounds, but that sort of thing where it's like I honestly never know when I'm going to need access to, especially for work reasons, a game like this for free that I can re-download at any time. I do um, add games, yeah, some games that I think that might be useful for work. I definitely do. I mean, Battlegrounds right. I didn't because I thought there's no way that working with Cultaholic, I'm you're gonna need not going to have access to that. Yeah. No, of course, of uh, course. But it is a similar thing, like that. That you're bang on about, like not, you know, wanting to add those games. It is equatable, I think, to when you're when you get a game for free, or when you get a game on Game Pass, and it's like I don't, just not in. Like I didn't pay money for this, so it's not important to me. It's a weird mentality, and mm. I don't really understand it. But it's one that I've never been able to shake. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what more I can say than that. But it's it's weird. I definitely get the same. I get I, I get the same um, feelings that Jason gets from, yeah. from that sort of situation, even if it's slightly different. But uh, yeah, it's just a, it's kind of like getting your money's worth. And if if your money's worth is zero pounds because I got it for free, then it doesn't matter. I didn't I didn't seek yeah, an exactly. investment into this thing. Whereas if I paid sixty quid. You know, I want to make sure I want to give this as much chance as possible Mm. to impress me if I'm struggling, you know, through the intro and thinking, I don't know, don't know about this. So, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm I'm that way, too, I think. The beauty of Game Pass, ultimately, (laughs) is that you can get your money's worth immediately by playing, you know, a day one Game Pass release of an Xbox Mm. exclusive. And that's it. You've you've made your money back. Yeah, easy. So you don't even need to worry about playing anything else. But the doom scrolling is, you know, it's inherent to many mediums. I think it just happens. Yeah. Too yeah, much. Too sure. much choice. Mm-hmm. Too much choice. Let's move on, Brian. Yeah. To something a little bit strange. Strange, as they say in France. They do say that in France. Are you ready? It is the weird news. Sacres bleus. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Probably lay weird news, wouldn't it? Oh, It'd be plural. lay weird news. Because it's news. It's more than one new. So... Probably or Les lay. Weird News. Well, Les, yeah, is obviously The Weird News pronounced. belonging to, yeah. to to Les. Leslie, yeah. Leslie, yeah, mm. Leslie's Weird News. Anyway, Brian, what you got? What weird video game news you got? Uh, I've got a weird news here that was sent to me three times this week. Whoa. Um, so thank you to Ash Holly, Tony, and uh, Independence Dave, which might be a, a seasonal Twitter username. Maybe mm. he's normally just Dave, but thank you to those people. Um, for sending me this story. Sonic Smut is flooding Trump's new social network. Excellent. Sega's meme mascot is a fave of the internet hooligans causing a ruckus on Getter. G-E-T-T-R. I've not heard of this new social network. But Have they... you not? It looks like it's ripped off Twitter. Genuinely, right. it, it's almost identical to Twitter. Wow, okay. Uh, this is written by Alexandra Hall. Um, according to Kotaku.com. This is sent to me by the by the audience. Nary a month after the dramatic implosion of former president and current Twitter refugee Donald Trump's attempted <laughs> blogging career... The Twitter s- refugee is yeah, great. Yeah, I know. It's an extreme that. phrase. The septuagenarian authoritarian's team of grifting enablers... Jeez, the absolute dictionary work going on in this, this opening paragraph... Uh, has launched its attempt at a social network for folks who are just too darn patriotic for mainstream social media and also for all sorts of Sonic the Hedgehog porn. The unpleasantly named Getter, Hillary Clinton lives rent-free in that dude's head, it says, oh, is that it? Is that why it's called Getter? That's strange. I don't know. No, surely not, right? No, I wouldn't have thought so. As in Get Her. Yeah, I mean, but it's an acronym. It's G-E-T-R. Yeah, it feels like a leap, really, that one. But. Yeah, um, well, I'll carry on. Uh, it's essentially a Twitter clone. Its slogan, the marketplace of ideas, suggests that inexplicably fence-sitting centrists might find it appealing as well. And that's particularly true if they're into furry vor artwork and memes about Sonic the Hedgehog getting pregnant. That keeps coming up, doesn't it? It seems that Getter's early launch, it was originally promised for Independence Day, has attracted a variety of leftist riffraff from TikTok, Weird Twitter, and the like. And they've embraced the unsavoury Trump-associated bird site wannabe as the perfect place to share degenerate hentai, furry porn, leftist sonic memes, and stock photos of pudgy aged men in their underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um... It's quite a long article, but uh, I'll continue for a bit. QAnon genius. Am I saying that right? Q, I've never said that out loud. Yeah, QAnon yeah, so. genius Jordan Sather 
who suggests drinking bleach to cure the Rona, noted that shills are already hitting the QAnon hashtag on Getter hard. I won't repost what I'm finding. Titties and bad words and stuff. Uh, stuff indeed, says the article. So far, Getter's moderation safeguards haven't stood a chance against the NSFW communist... Mpreg onslaught. I don't understand half oh, the what words. What is happening? In... What What are these words? Which has flooded venerable tags like QAnon with the sorts of sexuality threatening furotica for, that pass through Marga Uncle's minds during Thanksgiving rants. Oh my it's God. seemingly likely that a fair few decent upstanding conspiracy theorists and pro-fascists are rapidly being forced to come to terms with the existence of a large chunk of the flip-posting internet. That was the S word there. Uh, mm-hmm. Or at least to acknowledge it outside of their secret bookmarks. The, the wild subtext of this article is quite something. Not only are they saying that the site is being flooded with sonic furry vore porn, but that actually... Half the members, uh, the legitimate members of Getter, secretly are really into it, but are pretending like they don't like it being flooded on their site. It's amazing. Uh, you need an advanced degree in the internet to understand most of what was said there. I know. There's a lot imagine more to it, but how, I'll leave it there. Imagine how much happier you would be if none, if nothing in that article made sense to you. I know. Just, Just that level of ignorance must be so blissful not having to think about any of that stuff. There's a slideshow of uh, five five images. Let me link you to the, to the oh, article. Oh, good. I what think images are they? Uh, they're screenshots of a news feed, so they've all got several images within them. Um, I'll, I'll link you to it, and I'll describe them uh, for okay. those listening at home. Um, but the link will be available in the, in the description of the YouTube version. Yeah. Uh, so we've got um, a picture of Sonic in front of a communist flag. Uh, yeah. There's one of Sonic sort of on his back. I mean, fortunately, it's kind of cropped in a way that I don't know exactly. Oh, I think he's just got his feet out. Is maybe he just showing that... his feet. Yeah, yeah I guess he's that's just showing it. His feet. Yeah. Um, then it's someone else that said, "Stop posting Sonic porn." Uh, then if you if you scroll through, there is <laughs> Obama and Sonic having a kiss, kissing. There's a picture of Ben Shapiro and some strange sensual sonic character who i don't recognize um uh i came for the sonic porn point me in that direction uh has anyone got sonic feet asking for a friend picture of sonic holding the bible uh sonic is my lover says a user called sonic flipper 200 but the actual swear word and then just a load of spam that says f me sonic f me sonic f me sonic yeah um, do you see sonic kissing uh shadow the hedgehog's neck that's one uh sonic oh, with abs there oh, yeah yeah it's all going on wow there's a lot they've taken a lot of screenshots mm-hmm. god there's so many i thought that i misread it and thought it was one out of five but it's one out of 15 there's sonic abs yeah um sonic sort of kissing or snuggling with trump uh, more communist sonic flags. Yeah. Uh, a, a mercifully cropped one with Shadow and Sonic, clearly in bed. Oh, yeah. I see that. They're uh, such good friends. Look at how Shadow is trying to help Sonic. Repost uh, if you have a friendship like this. A user called Sonic Commie 
has said, I want Sonic in my, and then a, an expletive word that is a synonym for cat, but also female mm. genitalia. Um, there's a like a Sonic pony, a sort of MLP Sonic drawn in MS Paint that says Ponic or, or Ponic. I don't know. Um, so many, so many things. Uh, very NSFW, that article, but if you are in a safe place... Uh, it's worth a click just to see what is going on over there. Uh, thank yeah. you to everyone who sent that to me, that article. It was uh, probably the weirdest news of the week, I think, video game related. Uh, wow. but, I mean, but what do I know? What's what's about to come up from, from Dick Machinko himself? Well, nothing, nothing quite that uh, explicit. Mm. That's for sure. Uh, I believe this was sent by an Arrowsmith, right? Uh, depends which one? one you've gone with, but we had two other articles sent to us this week. Okay, I think I this, I think this is the one. Okay. This is from Kotaku and Luke Plunkett, the head of Weird News. <laughs> and the title is, American troops are pulling out of Afghanistan, leaving Pokemon behind. That's right, that's from Ern Arrowsmith. We also had a different article from Cameron Keywood about, uh, about Nintendo suing someone. Thanks for sending that, Cameron. But uh, there's just too much weird news this week. It's a lot of weird news going around. As the last major deployments of American and NATO troops prepare to leave Afghanistan, one of the most important milestones is their departure in their departure, sorry, was the closing last week of Bagram Airfield, once the largest US base in the country. At various points over the last 20 years, Bagram has been so big that troops stationed there could enjoy Subway and Pizza Hut. But another consequence of having so many young Americans together in one spot was the was that the base developed its own Pokemon Go community. <laughs> As Fantastic. this piece in Stars and Stripes, which sounds like a fun website, mm. outlines, Bagram was home to several Pokemon Go gyms and loads of Pokemon Go players, meaning for many young men and women stuck overseas, the game became a welcome respite from the danger and, and a way to make friends. Being able to start a conversation with a complete stranger in the middle of a war zone about something like <laughs> Pokemon was a great way to stay social, a contractor working at Bagram last year told the site. Hopefully not but in the middle of an actual battle, you know. <laughs> Do you like Wigglytuff? <laughs> yeah. The base's closure, it has since been handed over to local Afghan forces, also raised the prospect of lost Pokemon as gyms that were once hotly contested are left unchallenged. Screen and it says screenshots of Bagram after the troops left show how low-level Pokemon, normally easily defeated, stuck guarding locations, perhaps indefinitely. A tiny Lotad has defended the former Warrior Chapel at Bagram for ten days, while a lowly Aaron, God, I hate new Pokemon, has defended a memorial to a fallen service member for about two weeks. Wow. Then again. Maybe there'll be locals or members of the Afghan forces who are into the game and who can keep the gyms changing hands. And if there aren't, or even if there are, the gyms just sit there. Some veterans like Alaska National Guardsman John Sutter are trying to look forward to a world where Afghanistan isn't a war zone, but a place where some Pokemon got left behind. Mm. Maybe in 20 years I can ride a motorcycle south and reclaim that Pokemon gym again. Sutter stole... Sutter oh, bloody hell. Sutter told Stars and Stripes. <laughs> Wow. So there we are. I, I, obviously, it's not the Pokemon Company's fault necessarily, or you know, Nintendo. It's not really Nintendo affiliated, is it? Pokemon Go, or don't know, it's the Pokemon Company. I'm sure are the official holders. Uh, but anyway, it's not. It's not their fault. But it's kind of strange that a lone. What did you call it? An Aran or something? Yes, is guarding yeah, a memorial like to a fallen soldier. Didn't that happen in like Pokemon Go's height? Uh, when it was you know taking the world by storm, people were going to like, um, like remembrance 
graveyards. You know those ones with rows and rows of white gravestones, and like they were going to like the 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 uh, what's it called the uh, the unknown soldier uh, memorial and stuff like that because there happened to be stuff there. I might be making that up, but they were certainly going to s- some slightly inappropriate places just to catch, you know, a, yeah, a Bulbasaur. Well, not a Bulbasaur. Yeah, the pokey stops and gyms were in. Yeah, were in weird places, weren't they? I don't know. I mean, clearly that one must be intentional because maybe Niantic set it up. But even so, yeah, it's weird that you'd be fighting over that. This, of course, is. This article and us, we've massively glossed over the immense implications of not only the Afghanistan war. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, And also US and NATO troops pulling out of the country, which is presumably going to lead to a great deal of instability in the region. But, that, you know, hey, here's, here's a fun story about Pokemon Go. Yeah, so well, it's I, I just don't, don't want to leave context. that. I don't want to leave that unaddressed because no. I'm sure people will have things to say. And people certainly have things to say in the comments under this article. But there we are. Pokemon Go. It it happened there and now it's seemingly just sort of been left alone. Yeah. And there we go. Hmm. There's okay. some weird news for you. There we go. Let's move on. Let's. Uh, this is a question here from Dan Clapper who says, There's been several reports recently about the difficulties indie developers are having uh, working with Sony, such as the cost to be featured on the store, or how difficult it is to get visibility on said store. What do you think is causing this, and what can be done to solve the issue? Uh, thank you, Dan. I mean, I appreciate you raising the uh, the topic. I think it's something worth talking about. But sadly, the actual question part of your question is probably a bit of a depressing yeah. answer. In that, well, I and think, we can't do anything. So. Well, yeah, we can't do anything. <laughs> and I think what is causing this? Well. Just Sony seemingly being a bit kind of ignorant and dismissive of of indie uh, developers or being you know demanding. So for context, um, there was a story recently. Uh, I believe it was a sort of a not a whistleblow thing, but um, a very candid set of tweets from a guy called Ian Garner, who is from mm-hmm. Neon Doctrine, and he did a he was sort of kind of saying this is what goes on it's difficult being an indie developer when you're working with sony um and kind of the biggest takeaway i think from it is that he quoted that it would cost twenty five thousand dollars uh on top of the fees that you have just to be on the store itself twenty five thousand dollars to get into the store spotlight um so to you know really try and get your your indie game out there uh it's it's a very depressing thing to hear because you know Sony have tried I think in some ways to appear pro indie and I'm not I'm not saying that they don't like indie developers like that's not necessarily what this is but they're just not making it very easy for them uh, however if you go back a year um, during COVID they they had a 10 million dollar fund to support indie developers uh, mm-hmm. in 2020 it was part of that play at home. Uh, initiative they were doing um, I guess just trying to sort of encourage people to stay at home stay safe and we're going to look after indie developers who are struggling with this Um, so that was a good news story last year Uh, but you know sometimes it's you know it's the case of like whatever the most recent story is that's kind of what public opinion uh, is and unfortunately for them this this has come out and seemingly is entirely factual and uh well yeah i don't know i don't know what's causing it other than sony making poor decisions and i certainly don't know what we can do about it not very much yeah. um so it seems they're just a bit kind of 
bit favoritist really they might well choose to buy up certain studios but if you're a an indie an indie developer that let alone buying you up they won't even really help you out get on their spotlight for a for a reasonable figure uh, but then on the mm-hmm. other hand, I don't know what a reasonable figure is. When this story first broke, I saw people talking about, well, do we know how much it is to get the similar treatment on Nintendo and Xbox? Like, do we actually know what that is? Uh, but in the, you know, the, I mean, it's been about a week now, hasn't it, I think, since that was first reported. And since then, I've not seen any, you know, interesting articles saying, you know, a lot of hoo-ha over the Sony story, but actually, if you look at the figures for Microsoft and Nintendo, it's not its not fair to call them out. So I can only assume that the lack of any story like that means that, no, it probably is a lot more expensive to get onto the, the PlayStation storefront than it is to do the equivalent elsewhere. So Yeah, uh, yeah. the PlayStation storefront is the biggest store. That's, mm. that's probably yeah. why. Mm. And yeah. while it's probably... <laughs> I don't know for sure what the the full details are certainly when this story broke it wasn't it wasn't just about the money that it cost to get on the front page but also just how hard and obtuse it is to navigate sony systems and back yeah, the end back end and yeah working out how to get these games on there in the first place and working out how many units you've sold like it's all a bit of a nightmare and while i again i can't say for sure it's probably a similar situation across the board certainly it appears to be much easier with nintendo because they're very much the switch is the home of indies at the moment like and Mm, so they're clearly doing something right and xbox offers a lot of these games a chance to appear on game pass which probably goes a long way to appease um a lot of indie developers as it is but sony is just clearly a buy the books here's a store you want on it you've got to use our weird system and if you Mm. want on the front page you've got to pay a lot of money um i don't think it's necessarily fair to equate them buying studios with them wanting money to appear on the front page because it is ultimately all about money um and it's (laughs) you can look at it and it and sort of say well it's a pay-to-win situation and it's like well i mean yeah it that that's how it should be question mark like that's if you want to appear on the front page you've got to pay for that privilege and yes that's going to be dominated by the biggest games and the biggest companies and yes they have far deeper pockets doesn't mean it's fair but it makes sense um but there's clearly a lot of other issues with sony's store especially for indie developers who are having to do this by themselves they don't have the staff or specialists who can go in and do that you've got two or three people working on a game and then you've got to work out a maze of spreadsheets as well to try and you know just get a figure of how many games you've sold. Like, it doesn't mm. sound ideal. Um, there was a, st- a famous story of, I can't remember if it was this year or that, uh, last year, where an indie team, I can't remember their name, released their game, and then they couldn't find it on the store. They searched for it, and they couldn't find it. Yeah. Because it's just, uh, the the system was just, you know, it's stacked against them in that sense. And... No, it's not fair. It doesn't mean you need equal footing on the front page between, you know, the next Assassin's Creed and a student game made by three people, necessarily. But certainly it appears practices could be simplified, maybe lower the barrier for entry. And that doesn't mean that because there's a lot of crap on the PlayStation Store, just like on Xbox and on Switch, doesn't mean that you let anyone who wants to make a game on there necessarily. But certainly the people who do want to make a game and have 
you know, put in the time and the effort, it shouldn't be such a ridiculously complicated mess to release your game on a platform, right? It shouldn't be that hard. Mm. And especially back in the early days of the PS4, Sony had this whole public front of PlayStation loves indies. And they had this big spotlight at E3 where all these indie developers were there. And it's genuinely really sad and disheartening to hear that it has become such an issue and this isn't just one disgruntled guy he's very much the voice of a whole legion of most indie developers who have to work with sony because it's the biggest platform so they're going to want to put their game on there but a lot of people have said flip that let's not do it and that's why you see hades releasing elsewhere first Mm, and not coming to playstation for ages probably in some part due to Nintendo offering money in exchange for exclusivity, but also you have to consider that maybe working with PlayStation is too much of a hassle to be asked with it. And that is a problem that they need to fix. Yeah. I mean, that's what it, I, to be clear, when I say about Sony buying up studios and then, you know, the alternative is they don't even look at you and let you on their store. That's not, I don't mean, that's not the point I was making. What I mean is if you are a developer, if you are a studio, uh, if you want to be uh, successful on the the Sony store, the, the PlayStation store, you've either got to navigate all this rubbish or you've got to hope that if you're fortunate enough to produce a good enough product that maybe they uh, they think, oh, okay, because they seem to be doing a bit of a, you know, a, they, they've got a bit of a thing right now of buying up a few studios. Um, if I was a, the head of a studio, I'd be like thinking, well, hopefully they really, really like what we do and they decide to buy us rather than us having to just navigate these spreadsheets and, and deal with all this as an indie studio. Like the best way to go uh, and the best way to, uh, the I guess the most comfortable existence on the PlayStation as a developer is frankly not as an indie studio. It's to get, uh, you know, taken up by either Sony themselves or, you know, perhaps, you know, Activision or EA or whoever might might be interested in, in purchasing you and bringing you on. Um, but then we've talked before on, on other podcasts about how there are a whole load of downsides to that, which is that, you then kind of lose some of your agency and your creative freedom and stuff. It shouldn't be that uh, you have such a hard time on one specific platform that, uh, you know, that it almost discourages you from being an indie studio uh, or, you know, from just having to not not have a presence there and just go to to Xbox and, and Switch as an alternative. Like, you know, you're right, it's, it's the biggest store and maybe on paper in a very uh kind of black and white world maybe it's worth $25,000 to be in the the store spotlight on the PlayStation store maybe you know as i say in a very black and white way that might be the way it is but um it's just unfortunate that it just discourages people from from wanting to be there in the first place or being able to be there being able to afford it yeah yeah, yeah. that is a shame Going back to the the, the purchasing, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to let this go, I promise. Mm. Sony have been making some very calculated decisions regarding the studios recently. They have, uh, the, yeah. The likelihood of being picked up by Sony after, or or anyone really after making, you know, releasing your indie game is, is so unlikely. And as you say, like it's, a lot of indie developers maybe don't want that. And like, the, it shouldn't be so hard to get on the store, but 
hoping that you get picked up by a publisher or purchased or just have your game published by a publisher and have the marketing budget to go with it and so on. That seems to, to me at least, to be a separate issue from this Sony stuff. It just, it should be easier. Getting on the store just should be easier. Anyone should be able to do it. There should still, I think, be a level of quality control. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think the cost should be lowered to be featured on the front page because, yeah, of course PlayStation want the biggest games on there and if people are willing to pay for it, why wouldn't they take the money? But in terms of getting on the store and managing your product, that clearly should be easier. And it should, uh, yeah. yeah. Hopefully this will force them to, you know, maybe change things. I don't think they will, though, like genuinely. I don't think this will change anything at all. And this goes back to our discussions in the past about arrogant Sony. Like, is arrogant Sony back? Because until Xbox really start breathing down their necks, they are comfortably... And this isn't... Like, people will hear this and think, oh, that's fanboy talk. But it's mathematically and statistically and business true. PlayStation are comfortably the market leader. They don't need to change anything right now. And what I'm hoping, as much as I personally am kind of sad that I won't get to play Bethesda, many Bethesda games on my PlayStation anymore, I'm really hoping that Xbox and Nintendo continues to just absolutely flip and kill it. So it it forces, it closes that ground and it forces Sony to, you know, course correct on some of these issues that aren't necessarily going to affect you or me as people who just play games but certainly make it harder for people to make good stuff for the platform you know Mm -hmm. um they don't need to change anything right now should they yes will they i hope so (laughs) but we'll we'll just have to see i suppose yeah yeah that's it i mean it's it's the same that you see in in all kinds of other media like we complain in some ways that youtube for example are the you know, by far and above the leading video distribution service. If they weren't, you know, if if Vimeo or Daily Motion was like a serious major competitor, which they never will be because Google owns YouTube, then uh, maybe YouTube would book their ideas up. But <clears throat> it doesn't help when someone, okay, doesn't have a monopoly, but is, mm. as you say, just a huge market leader. They can kind of, they might get into this position where they think we can kind of do what we want. Everyone's going to carry on using our service. So yeah, uh, that's yeah. it. Then there's no literally unless it's a catastrophic <laughs> PR situation, which even though this is a bad look, I don't think they would count it as a catastrophic PR situation. You know, again, we talk about outside the core gaming bubble. Uh, Jeremy plays games at the weekends. He's playing his Call of Duty and his FIFA. He doesn't care about this. He doesn't know. Probably doesn't play on. indie games. He doesn't <laughs> know what indie games are. Like he doesn't care. Some. You know, things should be better. Things can always be better. And uh, I hope this will lead to positive change, but I'm not confident that it will. Mm. Uh, I just hope it gets easier for indie devs because there's so many good things, so many good games that are potentially not coming to this platform and people won't be able to play them if they don't own other platforms because of this archaic sort of hacked together online system that they've had for Mm -hmm. the past, you know, 15 odd years or thereabouts. Yeah. There we go. Shall we move on, Brian? Let's. To something rather large, and I believe it's called The Big Discussion. Ah, Big Discussion. Ah. It's Big Discussion time. Time for The Big Discussion. This week's Big Discussion comes courtesy of Carrie Bookter, who says, Hi, sort of new boys. 
Following on from part of your discussion on last week's podcast, I was wondering what is the strangest video game glitch you've encountered personally? My brother, while playing Skyrim, accidentally beheaded his companion, yet the companion continued to follow him on his knees and without a head. Anything similar from you two? Or has Ben and Peter ever mentioned anything? <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. Um, I've got a couple of Skyrim ones to start because oh yeah, oh boy, Skyrim was was you know a bit of a glitch fest uh, <laughs> once once upon a time. I never had the uh, the crazy horse physics in the you're finally awake scene that some people had. You know where it just oh, sort of yeah, charged yeah. into the houses <laughs> and stuff. Um, mm. But uh, I once had the the really horrible one where I went into my Skyrim house. I think it might have been. Honeyside, which is the one in Riften, because I quite like that house, but it might not have been. Anyway, it was a house where you could, uh, as part of your upgrades, you could get some armor mannequins for your house. Um, and so I got them, and they were down in the cellar. And I went down. I'd, I'd been, I'd seen them plenty of times. I don't know if I'd ever put armor on them. I'd been in and out the house all, all on many occasions. And then one day, I just got back to my house, and I went downstairs, and my God. The mannequins were alive and they were moving. Oh, oh no! It was horrid it's because the way that they do the mannequins in Skyrim is effectively just a, like an NPC model, and then they just skin them in like all wood, uh, so mm. that it's just a person that is like frozen. Um, but there was a glitch, and they were just looking at me. They were like following me oh, around the room and just God. staring at me, which was that's horrible, really horrible. Um, of course, we had many. <laughs> interesting glitches while trying to film and set up Skyrim Zoo episodes at Vidiots. Uh, yes. And one yeah. of them is captured on camera. Well, in fact, several are captured on camera. We had the Rabbit King flying off into the sky, of course. That was mm-hmm. completely unintentional. But there's one at the... Uh, it's like a post-credits scene sort of thing on the last episode where um, when setting up the battle, uh, we'd spawned in a giant rabbit and a load of uh, regular rabbits and... When we loaded up the save to like record the battle scene, every single one of the rabbits had been replaced by a man. So there was an entire Uncle crowd. Draft, right? It might have been Uncle Draft, yeah, and he was in his pants, in his sort of cod piece or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and there were loads of them just standing around on the ground, and then one giant one was like the King Draft, which was really uh. creepy. So that's just Skyrim, you know. There's plenty going on there, and I could name others as well, but. Uh, the creation uh, engine is just a gift, isn't it? Creation engines, fantastic stuff. Um, I remembered one that I had with the Insane Trilogy, where mm. in Crash 2, I was... Do, oh, you know your Crash games now, don't you, sort of? I do, yeah, kind of, yeah. So uh, in one of the snowy levels in Crash 2, mm. uh, you know you ride on the platform and then you went up in like a side-scrolling snowy bit. Oh, yeah. Um, so with I was the in icicles that... that fall from the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was in one of those bits... And as I was walking along, suddenly the camera just, like, swung through the air away from me. uh, And it, like, passed the edge of the scenery. It went through... So all I could just see was the sky, an entire, like, skybox taking up the the scenery. And then it eventually settled on another bit of side-scrolling platform somewhere else. Now, I think it was one of the alternate routes you can get by, like, riding gems and stuff. But if I then moved left and right, so I still had control of Crash, even though I couldn't see him. I'd, I'd left him behind where I'd been uh, side-scrolling before. If I moved him left and right, it it controlled the camera from the two points. So the, so the end point was at this alternate path. 
the start point was where Crash was. And if I moved left and right, the camera would like slowly move across that that line. So it would I could just sort of make it swing out of bounds and I could see like edges of bits of scenery and like weird shapes and stuff and I don't know what caused it. I've actually got a capture of it on my uh on my PS4. Right. But uh that was a very strange one. I don't know what was going on there. Um do you weird. want to do a few and then maybe we can yeah, pass back yeah, again? Yeah, toss them toss them back and forth. I've of yeah. course got the um the oft mentioned Final Fantasy 15 Adamantois fight. Oh yeah, of course. Where yeah. the giant tortoise mountain comes out of the earth, fought it for like an hour and then it spun and its geometry glitched out and sent me flying about a mile away from the encounter, which reset it and I lost all my yeah. progress and that was terrible. Uh, I have that. That's the beauty of the share button. I love that on the new consoles. The share button is a flipping game changer, saving little clips and stuff. Mm, yeah. Um, when I played Mafia 2 on PS3, there was a time where I was driving, I think, one of the fastest sports cars. I went ridiculously fast along sort of like a, a, a bit of highway that was on maybe an elevated area, like a bridge, an overpass kind of thing. And I glitched i was going so quickly i glitched through the barrier i then the car started doing several uncontrolled forward flips really fast i phased through several rows of houses because i'm assuming you're not meant you know you're not usually meant to be able to collide with them and then landed back on all four wheels for about half a second before smashing into a wall at about 300 miles an hour because i kept getting faster the more i was out of bounds mm-hmm. um and then immediately went into slow-mo because i died because i crashed so oh, hard that i died and that was quite magnificent um i also had one literally a couple of days ago playing mass effect 3 mm-hmm. where one of my character's um body models started glitching out so both their arms were like scarecrowing up sideways to the left and i flip you not it looked like that character was dabbing and i did <laughs> save the clip and they did it like five or six times before vanishing completely and then respawning <laughs> so the game knew there was something wrong but it was amazing to see this squad member just dab furiously in the middle of this battlefield it was it was brilliant i love that i love when a game sort of tries to fix what it's done wrong like yeah. there's a, a thing that's used in spyro speed running well lots of lots of speed runs you'll have seen it in other things that you've watched i'm sure called a proxy where um if you're able to get your hitbox sort of inside the hitbox of another object or something uh, so for example in spyro what you do you you would charge like a fodder enemy like knock a frog over or something and if you move forward at the same trajectory that the frog is is like whacked in front of you then you can end up in the same position where the frog lands and so the game makes your two hitboxes cross over and the way that the engine is built the the way that it it resolves something like that is just to launch spyro away from the hitbox that he's in it's like oh he shouldn't be inside this thing oh gonna push him and you can go (laughs) you know way up into the sky and they use that to like glide to you know areas that you can't get to and stuff um I had one that happened very recently as well. It happened on my stream, my Halo stream, the final part, where we were fighting um, two scarabs, which are these huge um, walking... uh, They're they're like walking tanks. I guess they're a bit like uh, Star Wars walkers, but they're 
gigantic, like really, really big things. They've got infantry like running around on them, like shooting you with turrets and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, you have to you have to take two of them down at once. And the way that you attack them, or the, the way you bring them down, is by shooting their legs. Uh, and then they get stunned, and then you shoot this big weak spot, and they blow up. And when I did that with the first one. Uh, one of the legs broke off, which I think just happens naturally. There's like sort of dynamic destruction. But the leg was then just spinning and spinning and spinning and helicoptering around. And it was like <laughs> flying all over the battlefield, like kicking people to death and knocking vehicles over and stuff. It was really weird. And I was trying to watch it and get footage of it. And then sadly, I think I, uh, I ended up dying because I was focusing too much on just filming this leg. And then right. it took me back to a checkpoint, and sadly, it it, it wasn't replicable. But uh, oh, no. that was super fun. It was like a loose rotor blade or something, just going everywhere. It was great. God. That's a fun one. Have yeah. you got any more? Uh, I've got... Uh, in fact, I had one where I was playing um, Time Splitters 3, Future Perfect. Yeah. Um, and... and all the walls vanished. Well, yeah, I mean, that, sadly, that was an emulator issue, uh, so it probably doesn't count. Uh, but I was I was playing the... Uh, remember the level where... The train level. Um, mm. And if you get to... There's like a, a bar, like a train car with like a bar in it. It's really nice and swanky. And when you get in there, there's the remote control cat that you can drive. Yes. Um, and it as you drive it, the sort of engine-like noise that it makes is kind of like an engine but also like a kind of growling cat it's a sort of yeah. you know um when i exited the I, I exited the cat while i was driving it and it like was colliding with a wall at the same time and the engine noise was just on a loop forever for oh, the rest of the God. level i tried like going into the cat again to like sort of reset it and it, it wouldn't do it so uh i mean it wasn't actually the rest of the level because i ended up dying and then it fortunately it reset but um, continuing from that bar with just a looping rah, <laughs> the thing was, was not a lot of fun. I was I was glad to die at that point. God, uh, sounds. Have you got good. any more? Yeah, I've got I've got a few more. Mm-hmm. Um, Dishonored two, when that first came out, I was playing that and I got all the way through the first level, I think, and then I, I had to get to a, like a little rowboat to leave. And I was mm-hmm. using the blink teleportation power, which is the best power in any, in any video game, in my yeah. opinion. And I managed to get stuck inside the geometry of the rocks lining the shore. Mm-hmm. So much, like they were invisible to me. There was just like an invisible barrier. And if I rotated the because it's all first person, if I rotated slightly, I could sort of get it get the geometry to appear halfway through the screen, so I could see that the rocks were there. And I I could not get out of the rocks like I was just stuck in them no matter where I went the boat was about three or four feet away from me and I was using the blink teleportation power to like because you know when you you can just use it and teleport forwards but if you aim at a specific surface it'll like show arrows pointing up and you will mantle as soon as you teleport there yeah so I did that with the boat like it was giving me the prompt and I was just like going vroom Vroom, vroom, into the side of these invisible rocks like just trying to break out and i had to start the whole game again because i was i was stuck there and the autosave was well you've made it to the boat I was like i haven't made it to the boat i'm stuck in the bloody rocks oh no I can't so it get saved out. you inside the rocks it did it was perfect oh. it was so good it wasn't a, you know a game breaker because i it didn't take me long to get back there but it was i was there for a long time just trying to find a way to cheese out of the wall but i was mm-hmm. stuck uh, of course, 
the classic Pokemon, early Pokemon bug, where you do missing no, yeah. but then your game slowly starts to corrupt, so tiles, like game world tiles, start disappearing or changing, your, uh, your Pokemon start messing up, and like they either just disappear entirely, or the icon changes to an old man instead of instead of the Pokemon they're meant to be. Like, there's all sorts yeah. of really weird stuff that goes wrong sometimes with that um, when you do that cheat, that glitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was always fun, by which I mean terrifying, because when it was first described to me, I was like, oh, okay, so this could absolutely ruin my game. And uh, and it did. So that was <laughs> that was good. And one of my most favorite bugs, and this is the last one I've got here, mm-hmm. is what I christened Stair-Teaster. And this right. was in SmackDown vs. Raw 2011. I was playing a game. I hit Batista with the steel stairs, which then fused with his body uh, so yeah. that the steel stairs were poking out of him. And he was immediately, by the game, sent at high speeds to whichever... Like, it was a weird physics glitch. Whichever way the stairs were facing, he was usually sent to, like, the top right of any given location. So he was fine walking around, um, but then... Oh, no, he wasn't, actually. He would just basically be sent at high speeds into, like, just the corner. So if he was in the ring, he'd be sent flying into the corner and he wouldn't be able to walk any further than that. He would he would do the walking animation, but he wouldn't move. You throw him out the ring, he flies around the ringside arena. You get him up to the top on the ramp, he keeps flying around up there as well. I eventually discovered that if you grabbed him and, like, you could sort of steer him... Because when you grabbed him, you became part of that physics object. And you would also be sent flying into the corner. But you could steer which way you went. And eventually, I hit him so hard that he bounced around the ringside area and he went out of bounds and floated through the crowd. And the camera just kept zooming out and out and out and out until the venue was this tiny speck. And Batista was off somewhere in the distance, still being sent in the direction that the stairs had decided he had to go. And I did get video of it, and it was it was amazing. I've never had anything like that happen in a game where physics are important. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was unreal. It was so stupid. But uh, I once had um, I can't remember which which uh, game it is or what. Maybe it happens in more than one. But there's quite a famous clip I think of a sort of PS2 era. Uh, Smackdown game where someone gets hit with a bin like a, a kind of metal stereotypical alleyway mm-hmm. trash can sort of thing and the bin like buckles because it's got like a dent animation but it's all like it's like in the person and they, they fly around all over the place in a kind of similar way yeah. and uh, that's so I've seen that clip circulating online but I've seen that also happen in the wild which was uh you know, a lot of fun. There's something something about those games. Not all of them, but yeah. uh, you know, they're kind of made just stable enough that like <laughs> you can you can have a certainly the some of the older ones you can have a pretty good time with and mm-hmm. uh but just every so often there'll be a bit of a weird animation or like where they're reaching for the bell on a ladder and the ladder gets knocked out underneath them but they're still doing the animation at the top of an invisible ladder that's fallen down and things yeah, like that they fall know? and they fold in half in like weird unnatural ways and yeah they're so in much before fun. the 2k20 days you know yes, they, it happened they in pretty much every glitchy. wrestling game there was yeah. stuff like that that would happen and they would yeah, yeah they were a lot of fun i enjoyed them mm-hmm. a lot but there we are 
That's our big discussion and that's the podcast. Of course, let us know what you've thought about all the things that we've discussed this week. Brian, where can people find us? We are Team Triple Jump. Um, head to youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump to see all of our videos and live streams. Uh, when we stream, we are modded by Lord Brotovich and Trowling Badger. That's on YouTube and Twitch that we do streams. Um, if you are uh, an Amazon Prime user, one of the benefits of that is that you get a free Twitch sub with the bundle. So you can consider spending that on us if you like. Um Twitch, uh, Twitter.com, sorry, and Facebook.com forward slash Team Triple Jump are our social medias. Uh, we put like uh, kind of what's this video and live stream? Oh, yeah. I, I see. You know, I see. you know what those are. Well, I, I know what those are, but <laughs> we, yeah, we we do other things too. I thought that was only that. I was like, oh, are we are we not no. using our Twitter for things anymore? If you right, go yeah. to Twitter, you can find video <laughs> announcements and live stream announcements. That's right. That's predominantly, what those what goes on. That's there. what we do. That's where they they go out. Uh, and on Facebook, we have sort of video content. Old videos are getting reposted there and little clips and things Fraser's doing a great job over there on Facebook and on Twitter uh, mm-hmm. and Luke Eldon also uh, looking after Facebook for us but also Twitter you'll see the occasional just kind of dank meme and oh, various yeah. things like that as well uh, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump is where you can get to our Patreon uh, there's lots of different tiers there so consider checking them all out and uh, maybe signing yourself up for one if you like uh, at a minimum you can ask questions on this very podcast the website is tripleju.mup that's tripleju.mp if you head to tripleju.mup forward slash discord then I'll send you straight over to our discord which is modded by Jack, Joe and Hollowise it's a lovely place go and say hello uh triple forward slash podcast will redirect you to where you can get the audio version of the podcast if you happen to be watching on youtube right now triple forward slash vods will send you to our vods channel on youtube where all of our youtube and twitch vods are uploaded uh and finally triple is our shop and you can follow at triple jump shop on twitter for shop related announcements Yes, sorry, I was so enraptured by your performance there that I completely like disassociated for a minute. That's okay, I'll take a bow. I'm Just imagine bow. I'm bowing. Wow, look how low he can bow. That mm. boy's flexible. That's what I think. Uh, you can follow Brian on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday, Thursday being the joint streams, plays it on YouTube, Monday and Friday being the solo streams on Twitch. Worst games ever is fortnightly Friday for patrons of a certain tier, Sunday for everyone else. The podcast is every Saturday and we do shows once every other week or thereabouts. Why not leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice? It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. This week on the channel, firstly, triplejump.gg, go get yourself some nice digital currencies. Mm-hmm. It's UK only, by the way. That's something I discovered recently in one of my streams. Uh, oh, really? Some of, some of our that. US, yeah, some of our US viewers have tried to use it, but it's it does like conversions to the extent that they end up paying more <laughs> because uh, okay. they're paying in dollars. So yeah, UK only, that's where you can buy that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. We are, if all goes according to plan, or at least not us, Ben and Peter are appearing mm. on the Pitch Please podcast. What is that, Brian? Uh, it's uh, it's a podcast where you head on as a guest. I mean, maybe we'll be invited one day, me and you, Dick. Um, mm. And you come up with a video game pitch 
and you pitch it to uh, the team there at Pitch Please who have video game development experience and they tell you what would and wouldn't work, um, you know, what what ideas they might have, uh, whether they would actually buy that game uh, or whether they'd be, you know, whether they would develop it if someone pitched it to them. So uh, Ben and Peter will, will be on there pitching their, one of their dream video games, not necessarily the dream video game, but an interesting one that's worth discussion at the very least. Hmm. And uh, so you can go have a listen to that. Um, it's uh, it's sort of a Yogscast affiliated podcast as well. So yeah. uh, they, they caught up with, with a few people they used to work with in the office, which was nice. Yeah. And we'll do a tweet about it when it's live as well to help you guys find it. But if you search Pitch Please, you should be able to find it anyway. Get mm. subscribed now. Yeah. Also this week, worst games ever. It's a good one. It's always a good one. It's a so good. It it's an even gooder one this this time. Uh, there is a new playing every launch game video about the SNES or the SNES. If you want to get SNES about this, and mm. um, that was actually recorded by Ben before he died. So uh, oh, that was sort of his last will and testament out to put that mm-hmm. out. Also from next week, Triple Jump is changing. Oh my god. Thanks everyone for supporting us for the past couple of years, but that's it. Um it's no longer financially viable. No We're gonna go set up a new company called Pidiots. Pidiot, yes. No, it's not that. It's all very positive news. You've known it's been coming for a while. And um not only will it be changing in that Dick and I will be going back to where space. we came from, space, uh, and Ben and Peter will be returning, but it's it's entirely possible they may be joined by a brand new face. The third jump. The third jump. Are we going to have to change the name to quadruple jump now? Is yeah, that there, was, there must always be a spare jump because yeah. you never know when you're going to need one. Um, yeah. But yes, if if all goes according to plan, next week should be our first video podcast on camera in mm. over a year with this third jump. Uh, there'll be a little bit of uh, stuff going out next week and over the next couple of weeks with that person as well. Um, we are while we are doing a in-person recorded podcast next week. It's mainly, I mean, Ben and Peter are. It's mainly because they slash we want to just sort of make the most of while we've got access to this this new person because they are still sorting out the logistics of moving to Newcastle, etc. Yeah, and coming up temporarily. Precisely. And we're returning to the office very soon, very, very soon, like this month, um, at which point normal service will resume. But this will sort of be a one-off for being together in person for the podcast, and then we'll go back home. And then when we come back into the office a few weeks later, then we'll be on camera, hopefully permanently, unless everything goes horribly wrong again. But uh, that's the the basic uh, gist. The streams are also a little bit flip flopped flipped flipped around a place uh next week um ben will be streaming on monday this is tentative uh so subject to change because mm-hmm. we're we're saying we're recording this podcast like you know a week ahead of time uh but plan now is uh ben will be streaming on the monday peter will be streaming on the tuesday that's for various logistical reasons of time off and and having to film stuff on wednesday and thursday with the new person so uh you know all, all that kind of stuff uh, you should you should follow our social media to stay up to date on. Yes, absolutely. And also, very quickly, to, if you're indeed even still listening, because I imagine we get to the outro and people go, well, that's enough of that, I know. Yeah. Um, the 
this new person just to temper expectations. Don't go making wild predictions and crazy, uh, crazy out there suggestions of oh my god they've finally hired simon miller simon miller he's doing it it's happening it's not it's it's michael johnson michael johnson's coming it's highly unlikely that this individual will be unknown to you guys which is exactly how we like it because we highly unlikely or likely did you just say it's entirely unlikely that you'll know them right you'll know them yes or it's entirely likely that you won't be aware of them Mm -hmm. and that's exactly how we like it because we think they're going to do a phenomenal job and we're very excited to work with them. So just, you know, don't go to don't be doing that Nintendo Switch Pro thing where everyone gets excited for a thing that doesn't exist and then they, yeah. and then they come out and then and then it's like, "Oh man, it's got an OLED screen and that's it." Okay. You should be excited because you should be so uh, excited. We're very positive and excited about this new person, and we we know that it's going to be a wonderful new relationship as a three. Yeah. Uh, but don't be excited in the sense that oh, which person that I know from this other channel could it be joining Triple? <laughs> it's channel? not that. No, it's not that. Please be welcoming and lovely. I'm sure you all will. That being said, when we ask for questions next week, just be aware that there's going to be a third person. You don't necessarily mm. have to ask a question for them specifically because you don't know anything about them yet. But just yeah. ask questions as normal and just be aware that a third person will be answering. So there we go. Yeah. Wonderful. I believe that's all, Brian. It's been a pleasure to serve with you this past month. Absolutely. Um, who knows if and when we'll ever be back. I mean, you've made this is your second appearance now. So perhaps is, yeah. uh, you and I, you or I, will return one day. But um, until then... That, that's it thanks for listening to us over the past few weeks and uh tell ben and peter what a great job we did yeah do that i think we did a great job yeah we did a job. Uh, what's the sponsor this week brian one last time uh the sponsor this week look out if you like nintendo and you like frozen i mean of course you do right uh nintendo switch olaf is coming it's got it's white and it sings songs and kids under seven like it Yes, they do. Fantastic. All right, look after yourselves, everyone. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.